0: This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by
1: hearing and doing the words of Jesus. Life in this fallen world is really a puzzle. Things that should not be happen, and things that are meant to be are missed opportunities. And in today's program, we're going to see how the city of Nazareth who hosted the most important person that ever lived, absolutely missed the boat. Our series is entitled, The Kingly Messiah, Understanding the Gospel of Matthew, Part 1, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. And friends, we are now looking at a subject called the net and Nazareth. Now, when I say net, I'm not talking about The internet. I'm talking about a fishing net because we're in Galilee by the biggest freshwater lake in the Middle East called the Sea of Galilee. And this body of water, the most famous in the world, by the way, is the backdrop to much of Jesus Christ's earthly ministry. And he talks about it as a parable. And in addition, what we'll see is that Jesus returns to his hometown of Nazareth and we'll see the kind of reception he gets when he goes there. Really, it's a puzzle, especially because he's getting rapturous crowds wherever he speaks, even when he's downtime, he's getting the crowds. Yet when he goes home to Nazareth, the people give him a very different response, and it's not a good one. So we'll learn more about that because this is the gospel, and one of the things about the gospel is it represents God's truth, and you can trust the gospel to be true and to bring you into reality and especially, not just reality in this world, but the reality of the world to come, namely God and his kingdom. So our lesson is called The Net and Nazareth, based on Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 to 58. Let me read to you from verse 47. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered fish of every kind, or actually gathered of every kind, which, when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. All right, so this is another parable, and you would think that it would be clear enough, and it will be clear when you're following Jesus and realize these are all telling of spiritual reality in metaphor by using objects that people were familiar with. In other words, taking things in the natural that we all know about to convey truth that is invisible and spiritual and eternal of the things we don't yet know about. Well, we'll look at this parable of the net, and of course its interpretation will be made plain to us. But then what will happen is Jesus makes a statement with a question to his disciples. Do you understand these things? And they reply, yes. Now, I'm not sure if their yes was all that convincing, but they told the Lord the answer he wanted to hear, and then he makes a statement about new and old. After having done that, Jesus goes back to Nazareth. This is where he spent most of his life. He wasn't born there. We know from Scripture, in fact, here in the Gospel of Matthew, he was born in Bethlehem in fulfillment of prophecies, particularly Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But then he lives most of his life in Nazareth until basically he starts his ministry when he's around the age of 30. And then there's problems in Nazareth. He leaves and then he comes back. And what we see here is when he goes to the synagogue, he's going to get a very, very strange reaction. In fact, it's not very nice. The people in the synagogue, far from welcoming him are offended by him. And because they're offended by him, he's not able to do many mighty works. So it's almost like a lose-lose situation. They're offended, they don't believe, they have the wrong attitude, and Jesus can't do much to help them. Friends, when we have the right attitude, and we have faith, then we recognize that with God, all things are possible. It's time to read the entire passage, Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 to 58. Our lesson is entitled, The Net and Nazareth. And again, the reference, Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 to 58. So let's listen carefully to God's wonderful word. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind which when it was full they drew to the shore and sat down and gathered the good into the vessel but cast the bad away so shall it be at the end of the world the angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth jesus saith unto them have ye understood all these things they say unto him Yea, Lord. Then said he unto them, Therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom? And these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas, and his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And they did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Our reading is from Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 to 58, and our lesson is called The Net and Nazareth. Well, it was a pretty miserable note to end this chapter of Matthew 13. He did not do many mighty works because of their unbelief. And what's astounding is that these people actually knew Jesus. and That may have been the problem. They knew him. From when he was young, like a toddler, all the way to adulthood. And far as, as receiving him, they didn't. But before we worry about their problem and try to get some insight, let's go back to the beginning here. Matthew 13, verse 47. Jesus is teaching parables to his disciples and by extension to the world. Remember that for the one, the parables make truth clearer, and the other It obscures. We only understand when we are rightly related to God. Now, if you would like to be rightly related to God, just remember there's some simple things. Simple enough that even children can do it. First of all, we're to repent. That is to admit we have a sin problem and also confess that Jesus Christ is the answer to our sin problem because we've discovered that good intentions, good works, good ideas, money, religion, self-help books, All these things cannot deliver us from our core issue, which is sin. Sin, selfishness, lust, greed, bad attitude, and worse. So we have a problem. But so we repent, then we confess that Christ and his glorious gospel are the solution. Because it's not religion that takes care of the sin problem. It's the gospel that takes care of the sin problem. It's the cross of Jesus. The fact that Jesus assumed our sin in his own perfect sinless body. His perfect sinless body, now bearing our sin, is nailed to the cross. He died in our place. He took the capital punishment that we should have had. And he died for our sins, but he rose again on the third day so that we could be declared innocent and righteous. Not guilty anymore. We don't have to do anything to earn this great salvation. We just have to believe, receive confess, commit, trust, and obey. I'll say it again, because these are elements of the diamond of faith, different facets, different faces. We have to repent, believe, receive, confess, commit, trust, and obey. Then we become rightly related to God. And when this happens, we're able to see the things, the spiritual things, the kingdom things, the eternal things that escape the world. Jesus likens the kingdom of heaven to a net cast into the sea, and gathers all kinds, presumably a fish, the full net is dragged to the shore where the catch is assessed. It's sorted out. The good catch is put in proper vessels, but the bad is cast away, which basically sounds like the last judgment. And Jesus now, in Matthew 13, verses 49 and 50, gives the interpretation. The interpretation of the parable of the dragnet. He says... To his faithful disciples, not to the multitude, the parable of the net is about the end of the world. The angels of God will come and separate the wicked from the just. The wicked will be cast into the furnace of fire, where there'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. This all too familiar phrase speaks of the terror and horror of the final judgment. And we've heard this phrase already in the parable. So think of it. Why else? Did Jesus Christ come to this planet? He came to save us from such a fate. It's like my favorite metaphor, I think, in teaching gospel truth, the Titanic. Remember the Titanic hits an iceberg and in less than three hours, it's gone. The great ship Titanic that sank on the 15th of April, 1912. It's iconic, it's legendary, it's tragic. Salvation in Christ is equivalent to getting as many people off the ship Titanic, before it sinks, and getting him into the lifeboat. Salvation in Christ looks at the world that's going to end as the stricken ship, and the gospel is the lifeboat. Jesus is our lifeboat. He will take us off the ship and bring us to our desired haven. To me, it's a great thing. And what is evangelism? It's telling people, get off the ship, get into the lifeboat. Couldn't be simpler than that. We go from here. If Christ salvation is to be ratified and take effect in our lives, we have to give him our full cooperation. It's simple as that. Matthew 13, 51. After so many parables and explanations, Jesus asks his disciples, do you understand these things? They reply, yes. Now, they should have understood these things, because the interpretation could not have been plainer. Then Jesus makes an interesting statement, Matthew thirteen fifty-two. In reply to their affirmative response, Jesus speaks of the scribe, which learns about the kingdom of heaven. They are like a man who owns a house and brings forth the old and new. What could this mean, bringing forth the old and the new? Kingdom people will be established and built on a rock, like the householder builds his house on a sure foundation. Householders invest in the building, the furniture, even the ambience of the house. This investment becomes invaluable as a treasure. When on display in a house, you will bring out the antiques that you've accumulated, as well as the mod cons. Now, for believers, we have access to the riches of the Old and of the New Testament, of which we need both, not just the one the both. We have the legacy of church history, both old and recent. We also have what God is doing today in the church and in the world, and that's part of the new. We also have the retaining of our natural giftings, old, but we're also being gifted by the Holy Spirit, new. So that is my understanding when Jesus says we are like the scribe that brings forth from our house treasures, old and new. In verse 53 of Matthew 13, Jesus departs from the Sea of Galilee area, and returns to his hometown of Nazareth. Though it is not directly named, it is his most likely destination. In the synagogue of Nazareth, Matthew thirteen fifty four to 56 he first of all attends the synagogue. That's his normal custom, what he always does on every Sabbath day. It's also the custom of Paul and the apostles. They would go to the Sabbath each Saturday, tend the synagogue, and then use that environment to give the gospel. Now, while he's minding his own business, the people ask, from where did he get this wisdom and his miracle? Actually, he first of all taught them in the synagogue, but he wasn't actually looking for, uh, what do you call it, any attention, but he's just teaching. He's not narcissistically pointing out to himself and saying, look at me, look at me. So he's teaching, and of course, he's he's not just eloquent and profound, he's anointed, life-giving words. So then what happens? The people ask him. Where did he get this wisdom? Where did he get the miracles? Isn't he only the carpenter's son? Isn't he the son of Mary? Aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, don't they live among us? How is it possible for this guy to work these works, and from where did he get him? Don't these words sound to you like an ancient version of what we say in Australia, the tall poppy syndrome, where Jesus' reputation outshines the greatest if there is any, in the city of Nazareth. It says in verse 57, they were offended in him. He made them resentful, uncomfortable, convicted. And Jesus comments that a prophet is honored everywhere, except in his own place, among his own family, which refused to honor or be impressed with God's doing. I remember a man from singapore taught me a phrase and i don't think he coined it but he used it liberally go where you're celebrated not tolerate and there will be times in life though we'll have to go where we're tolerated or even less than that although it's of course always wonderful to be in a place where we're celebrated where our presence is welcome where we are loved appreciated we all want that so you know if you want that for your life practice the golden rule and start celebrating decent, good people, family, friends, pastors, leaders, who you know and you should appreciate, and outwardly show that appreciation. It will do wonders. But you see, because of the bad attitude, the resentfulness, and all of the people of Nazareth, Matthew 13:58 comes to play. Jesus did not many mighty works because of their unbelief. Without that, little or nothing will happen. Now, our lesson is called The Net and Nazareth. Our lesson for life is seeing the supernatural manifestations of God is a partnership. The Lord does the working while we do the believing. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education, and thank you for liking our page. You can also go to our homepage to subscribe to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter. We want to help you prepare for the future with articles about the Bible, Victorious Christian Living, and current events. In the light of God's word. Let's pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, that even what we face, Jesus faced. He set the example, and we duly follow. Because we don't want to be on the sand, but on the rock. We praise you for him, in Jesus' mighty name.
0: Amen.